So this is a little surprising, but actually I want to start this big episode about E3 2018 by talking about Microsoft okay. uh, and, and the Xbox, which we don't usually do at Remaster. But um, I think I've suggested before that I was considering buying an Xbox One X uh, for the retro compatibility stuff. And so I was keeping an eye on what Microsoft was going to announce at E3. And I, like many others, have actually been impressed with the announcements and yeah. the general flow and pace of the keynote i think it's some people say it was the strongest uh presence the strongest conference at e3 and i don't think i disagree um i really like what they've done so some numbers uh microsoft showed 50 games of which 18 were exclusives and 15 were premieres at e3 uh which is pretty impressive the the premieres Um, thing like they were first Right, so like you know, that I don't hold too much weight over, and honestly, like premieres are not important if the games are cross-platform. Like, there's, right. there's a, sure. it's only important if there's some kind of exclusivity. But having eighteen exclusives, I mean, that is exactly what they needed, especially with you know, I'm probably spoiling part of what you're going to say here, but the amount of exclusives that they had, which were going to be day in date part of Xbox Pass, was very intriguing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they, they, I agree. You know, we're going into some more detail, but I agree. But basically, Microsoft did what they had to do. Yeah, they they did they did what they had to do to make sure that they can still be um, they can still have a say in this generation. Even though I, I mean, it's pretty obvious that the PlayStation Four just completely destroyed the xbox this time around um i think it's interesting to see how microsoft is both trying to i don't know if maybe salvage is the right word uh but trying to make the best of the current uh mm-hmm. the current situation and the current lineup of xbox at the same time though uh they're also trying to um make to to make sure that they are better prepared for the future um so let me just go over the games quickly because there's a bunch of bigger topics that i want to talk about um, when it comes to microsoft we saw uh halo infinite which is a new game uh, starring master chief uh it seems to have this big open world environment it looks kind of nice but also i'm not a halo person so i don't know uh master chief is back though i know master chief so that's exciting um gears of war it's uh, now just called Gears, and there's a main entry in the series called Gears 5, which looks amazing, uh, but also it looks kind of similar to previous Gears games. What is interesting is that Microsoft is expanding the franchise with a new tactical spin-off called Gears Tactics, um, which is a top-down tactical shooter, which also you know it looks kind of intriguing to me. And there's a pop version, you know the 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 pop figurines yeah. that you can buy at the yeah, Funko GameStop. Pops. Yeah, they are everywhere. This so there's a mobile the version of that. I may have ever seen in video games. Yes, it is weird. It is weird. Bonkers, yeah. a thing to do. It's but, like, you know, <laughs> you know, because if, if it works, <laughs> what are the kids into? Oh, you know those pop <laughs> toys. Let's make a Gears of War it's, with that. It is. It's that <laughs> meme, right? The howdy do, fellow children. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> Yes. It's very, it's a very like, I mean, it's like, okay, sure, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it works, it works. Exactly. It's, it's um, strange to me how much weight they're putting behind Gears of War. And and again, it's like, great series. I don't know if I would have expected this much from it. I guess the reason mm-hmm. is 
this is the biggest franchise they have currently that other than Halo, right? And maybe Forza. Uh, I feel like Gears is probably more like pop. Yeah, probably. Forza, I think, is popular because it's the racing game. It would be my expectation, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Um, We saw, again, Crackdown 3. Um, I can't believe it. I I just... (laughs) What is this, You said it. You said it that we would see Crackdown 3, and we did. Is this the third or fourth (laughs) E3 with Crackdown 3? Probably the fourth, right? Yeah, but at least they've given so. a date now, February. Uh, yeah, at least. Um, <laughs> so it we is got a wild, date. isn't it? I, I wonder what the game's actually going to be like, because this was the one, Shahid, I don't know if you remember this, this was the one where, like, it in the original Xbox One announcement, they said this was the game that, like, was running on their servers or something, and that... Some and that was all that stuff that Microsoft ended up walking back, right? Because people were really mad about a lot of the stuff that they wanted to do, like constant internet connections and no game resales and all that. And it looked like Crackdown was going to benefit from a lot of that stuff. Am I right in remembering that? I don't even remember it was such a long time ago. <laughs> oh, um, Crackdown. The, the reason I'm staying so quiet on this particular one is because I'm afraid I have an interest in this that I am not allowed to disclose. Okay. So I understand. I I'd love to. I really would love to give you a. Is it going to happen in February? Is it not? How's it going? How's it looking? But I really can't, and I can't even tell you how I'm how I'm privy to any of that. So Interesting. The ultimate tease, and um, he's, he's I, back I can't even tell you if my again. involvement's good or bad. Interesting. All right. Okay. Cool. We'll we'll move on from that then. But uh, they got Terry Crews attached. I like Terry Crews. So you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's great. I is, like is it gonna be on PC? <laughs> is Crackdown gonna is it one of the ones that's gonna make it to PC? Uh, yep. Uh, okay. Alright, so I know where I'll be playing it. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> it's like, is it really gonna make it anywhere? I I gotta seg quickly and smartly away from this and say I was listening to a Terry Crews podcast earlier today with Tim Ferris, so there you go. Oh, cool. Alright, so let's move on to the next game then. <laughs> we saw <laughs> Devil May Cry. Five, uh, Dante is back. Uh, it appears that Capcom is going back to the original, you know, mainline series. No more. They did the DMC. Um, I think uh, was it um, uh, Ninja Theory that worked on that uh, on DMC yeah, years ago. Ages ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and long time. I remember the long time fans didn't really uh, respond well to that. I remember the criticism back then. Anyway, Devil May Cry 5 is also, is also happening on PlayStation. We saw Sekiro, uh, which is uh, Shadows Die Twice from from software, uh, the makers of Bloodborne and Dark Souls, which looks amazing and also amazingly difficult. Um, we saw Tomb Raider. There's a new one coming. Mm-hmm. We saw Kingdom Hearts 3. It's also coming to Xbox for the first time, which is exciting. Um and then we saw at the very end of the keynote, uh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077, yep. which Love looks this. incredible. And yeah. this is from uh, the makers of The Witcher, uh, CD Project. Uh, I don't I never remember Red. the name. CD Project Red. CD Project Red, and it's a first-person shooting RPG set in this dystopian cyberpunk um, metropolis. <laughs> um, it looks fantastic. And the trailer was amazing. The music was incredible. People who've played with the actual game, who've seen the actual game. So we didn't see any gameplay. 
But people who did the closed doors demo said that it's amazing. And it's basically this combination of cyberpunk elements and the Witcher in first person with guns. Uh, that, and it's heavily customizable and it looks amazing on Xbox. So um, I'm really looking forward to this game. Uh, I wish I, I never, I never properly played The Witcher 3. Uh, which I own on PlayStation. I only played for like five hours and I liked a lot of what the game was going to be. The problem is that I bought The Witcher 3 and a week later I also bought the Switch with Breath of the Wild. So, <laughs> yeah, never been yeah, able to fully appreciate The Witcher. So, uh, I, I don't really know if I can explain how I feel about the trailer of, of Cyberpunk 2077 except to say it feels like one of those games... Like every now every now and then you see a game and you're like, oh. And and it's like hard to explain why, but I think it's part of the way that it's presented to you in the conference, as well as the trailer. I mean it's the cinematic trailer that we've seen. But like along with the music and then the, the just the, the way that they show things and it just seems like kind of like watchdogs. Where it was like, whoa, what is what is this? Like, this looks so interesting. And again, it, it it can be as good as it ends up being. But Watch Dogs was a good game. It didn't live up to to I think the hype. But I look at something like that and I'm like, ooh, are you are you going to be like a new Grand Theft Auto? Like, are you going to be just one of those games that everybody ultimately agrees is incredible? It looks like it has all of the component pieces and is made by a great team. So I am very intrigued for this one as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to get it right, though, isn't it? Yes. I mean, some of the references that you're picking out there are extremely high bars for a mm-hmm. game like this, and we we know very little about it. But that's but how they're pitching it, though, right? Like you can yeah. see the way it is being positioned because yeah, they were totally. like, com- like press conference is over. Oh, it's broken down, and here's this trailer, right? And then they're like big closed doors thing with invitations that people were putting on Twitter. Like it is built; they are building it up to be a this game's going to be huge game? Well, they've got form, you know? Yeah. I mean, The Witcher was one of the most outstanding successes in, well, I'd say more than years. I'd say probably in 10 years. It just, it seemed to come from nowhere. Obviously, that studio has been working together a very long time, so it didn't come from nowhere. But you know how some games just suddenly, they're enormous and they're incredibly successful and, and they've crossed over into the mainstream. I'm trying to think of another recent example. I think Divinity Original Sin 2, the second one, that was one that that achieved that level of success. And I think The Witcher 3 achieved that level of success. So the next thing is bound to get that level of interest because people are primed. And the other thing is, of course, sci-fi is just so big at the moment. You've got so many decent sci-fi films that kind of cross over cyberpunk, near future, not so much far future. You know, you've had Mute, you've had Blade Runner. You've, you've just got loads and loads of stuff going on the last two years. Yeah, it, it's very Blade Runner-y, isn't it? It's yeah. very, very Blade Runner-y. Exactly. All of it's in the zeitgeist right now. So you you can imagine there are a lot of people who love video games, who want a sci-fi game, but who also want it to play like a mainstream, top-notch AAA game with tons of content and open world possibilities and this seems to tick all those boxes but not only that i thought thematically the game hung together i mean from what we saw obviously we, we didn't really see gameplay but what we saw hung together really well in a way that i don't see many other 
trailers showing. Like when I first saw the Watch Dogs trailer, I thought, hmm, interesting. But I thought it was a bit disjointed, you know. I wasn't quite sure what I was supposed to focus on. Is it the exploration? Is it the hanking? Is it the dialogue? What's going on here? Whereas this, this is all just seamless. And I didn't question any of it. So, so you're right. They are pitching it very, very high and rightly so but they do have the form and i hope they pull it off because i'm so looking forward to this so there's a uh, two bigger topics that i wanted to discuss about microsoft um so microsoft announced that they have acquired um a bunch of independent previously independent game studios uh these are ninja theory the makers of hellblade among other games Playground Games, um, the folks who work on Forza Horizon, uh, Undead Labs, uh, which makes State of Decay, and Compulsion Games. Um, I want to, uh, and also I should say that there is also a new Microsoft Studios developer called The Initiative. Um, Playground is rumored to be working on a, Microsoft said just on an open world adventure game, but everybody uh, in the, in the, gaming industry seems to believe that it's a new fable game um and there's also in the show notes for this episode you will find a lo- just a lovely video by the folks at ninja theory explaining the acquisition um and i wanted to ask uh shahid because you've been in the industry for uh longer than us and you must have seen these companies come and go um why is it important for Microsoft at this point in the xbox one life cycle to be building this kind of roster of first-party game studios. Um, do you think that it's a move to make sure that the Xbox One can get some last uh, important games in this generation? Or is it maybe more about making sure that the next generation of Xbox has a stronger lineup and can actually compete against PlayStation and Sony? You can bet your bottom dollar that there'll be a bit of both, but I think the emphasis is on the future I, I would imagine maybe a couple of these studios have got work in the pipeline that could come out in the next year or two. But I don't think that's Microsoft's focus. This is a strategic move. It's a period of consolidation. Just look at E3. E3 was a sequel bonanza this year. It's just mm. sequel central. Everything's a sequel. I mean, look at that list. Uh, that that you went through uh, through earlier, you know, gears. How many gears have there been? Billions. Mm. How many Devil May Cries have there been? Billions. Forza. Um, how many yeah. Tomb Raiders? Forzas. Crackdown. Crackdown. <laughs> you know, just it just <laughs> Halo. Sequel after sequel yeah. after sequel. So the industry is playing safety first right now because there's so much at stake, and there is going to be a transition, and we will have that cycle again. I've seen this happen. Time and time and time again. And, you know, Nintendo kind of upended things a little bit. I think they surprised everyone. I don't. I, I would yeah. say no, nobody expected Nintendo yeah, to yeah. have the kind of success that they're having. Least of all Microsoft, yes, right? Because yeah. what, what they did was they, they squeezed Microsoft out of the attention. Mm-hmm. They didn't squeeze them out entirely out of sales or muscle. But because... nobody's talking about them. You either talk about PlayStation no, or you talk no, about not. Nintendo. Like N- Nintendo has all of the conversation that isn't big third party games. If it's a big third party game, people just need to just talk about Sony. And yet here we are talking about Microsoft first, yeah. right? So they they know 
two things. First of all, that they've suffered this generation. And two, they know they had to make an impact this time around to, to make a statement about where they were heading. Yeah. And having a huge list of games is great. But how many of the things that they announced are imminent? I would say not as many as they would like. They really need some stuff quickly. I mean, the, well, I guess we'll talk about the game of passing, which is astounding value and all of that later. But coming back to the studios, it's very much about putting their stake in the ground for the next generation and hoping that they can launch the next generation with a bang. And they've gone after some really, really great studios. Ninja Theory, for me, their best work ever was Hellblade. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if people will agree or disagree. They've done bigger games, but for me, Hellblade was there. Of course, I'm biased. You know, I was responsible for commissioning Hellblade at PlayStation, and we got some exclusivity and witness to some of the best work that they've done. This team was utterly outstanding, but I completely understand where uh, Nina, Tamim, and Dom are coming from on this. For them, this was a risk that they took because they put a lot of their own money in. It's not like, you know, PlayStation walked in with immense piles of cash and paid for all of it. It didn't work like that. It was shared risk, shared reward, and they did great out of it. But for them, it was a case of, okay, well, we risked massively with a small part of our studio while still maintaining safety elsewhere. But what if it hadn't paid off? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, would we dare try it again? And the third thing is, if we did, how many people would we be prepared to commit to it? Now, they value their independence. They've been independent a long time. And they've managed their studio and run their studio fantastically well. But in come Microsoft. Microsoft, with a humility that, dare I say, maybe I presented to developers <laughs> in 2011, having been chastened with the ridiculous approach 100%. and hubris of, you I mean, you'd you expect know, so and hope so, really. Yeah, they're, they're so not they're walking in, in and being like, "Oh, we've come to save you," right? No. Like, it's not like that. <laughs> no, they've come to do what I did like five, six years ago. And to be fair, Microsoft did before. It's not like I invented this stuff. Mm. Everybody has to do it. You know, if you've been guilty of hubris and you screwed up, you need to get humble. And that's exactly what Microsoft have done here. They've gone in there. They've been humble. They've listened. And you know, Dom said quite clearly in that video, it's a case of, well, you know what? We want our independence, but we want to scale this up. We want to be in a position where we can do this with our whole studio, 100 people, all working on something like this. Then imagine what we could do. I mean, they got off this game five BAFTAs, you know, Hellblade, yeah. five BAFTAs. It's by far. It won the Game Awards, most... Awards too, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, critically, it's the best thing they've ever done. Imagine if they were able to scale that up to the entire studio whilst retaining creative control and being secure during the development well if someone comes in you do have the downside of they can now no longer target all of the platforms right so they they won't be able to go to playstation 4 they won't be able to do switch but what do they care they still got pc yeah and now of course they've got the next microsoft platform uh, sorry xbox platform whatever that's going to be and they know this they know that the absolute baseline is likely to be xbox one x level for whatever the next generation is. And they've got time now. They don't have to squeeze it out very quickly to try and keep the cost down. They can work on it for a while and bring out something outstanding. So I think if they're careful 
And if they don't let success get to their heads, and I don't think they will because they're a brilliant studio. Honestly, I can't say enough good things about them. I mean, Tamim is one of the, the great creatives in the industry, really a great. Uh, Dom is one of the most level-headed studio directors I've ever seen. And Nina steered this course brilliantly. She's got such a superb grasp of the industry and her timing couldn't have been better. So hats off to them. I mean, a bit of me is sad because like, you know, there was a little bit of relationship there with PlayStation that went quite well, but it's fine. It's not a problem. These things turn around every five, six years. Don't be surprised if things change five, six years down the t- down the line, you know, be like the whole NAFTA agreement where Trump wants to have a sunset clause. It, you know, things change. You've got to allow for things to change. But for now, it's brilliant for them. And Playground, again, a brilliant studio. I love Playground. Uh, Trevor's a really good good friend. I've spoken to him a few times. We once toyed with the idea of, well, I won't say what we toyed with the idea, but it was quite fun. Uh, but for them to go to Microsoft makes complete sense. They've been a really devoted partner to them, produced excellent work for them. Now they have safety, they have security, they will have benefited from it as well. Um, the other studios, they're, they're good studios as well. You know, right now I hear, I hear that getting hold of good talent is extremely hard. It's extremely hard. They're, they're so in demand, um, top people, uh, top developers, that is specifically top developers. Trying to get hold of these people is almost impossible right now. And what have Microsoft done? It's a stroke of genius. They've hoovered up the very best. A couple more things that I want to bring to your attention, Shahid. Um, because I, I knew that if I, if I was going to ask you these questions, uh, I would have gotten a great answer out of you. So I want to, I want to present more evidence. Um, and I want to know what you think. Um, so uh, Microsoft also said that they're working on a game streaming, game, game streaming cloud service for the Xbox. Uh, it'll work across the Xbox, PC, and mobile devices. Uh, they said that their research teams is investing heavily on AI and streaming, so they're looking into these new cloud technologies uh, for uh, building this infrastructure. Then they also said that they are starting to they've started working on the next generation of Xbox consoles and they said consoles not console yeah and then i found this rumor um uh that the project is indeed well underway and it's called named scarlet which is a great code name for a project um and it, it is in fact a family of devices and is arriving in 2020. So here's a crazy idea. What if Microsoft is indeed working on multiple Xbox consoles for the next generation? And what if one of them is a streaming-only, Game Pass-only Xbox that it's like, like a light Xbox that allows you to rent and stream video games, but you don't buy them. It's like a, basically a Netflix box, but for video games. Is that insane to think about? Oh, no, not at all. There are a lot of companies thinking about it. Obviously, PlayStation beat a lot of people to the punch with their um, service based on Gaikai. You know, it's uh, PlayStation mm-hmm. Now um, was the eventual branding, but it's basically based on the Gaikai technology that, that they bought. So... Th- 
the the big challenge with these things and you know obviously google's working on something like this as well uh, another company that could easily do this is amazon it's it's all about infrastructure do you have the cloud infrastructure and the endpoints to pull off something that will deliver low latency high bandwidth gaming on a relatively straightforward device that's what it's about it's all about latency all right so there are two things there is the industry perspective that I can offer, and there's the personal perspective I can offer. So the industry perspective is a lot of the industry seems to be moving towards streaming because it kind of simplifies the business model. It simplifies the business model for platform because they can go back to being gatekeepers and they can control um, the curation a lot more heavily. It, I, I guess um, from... Microsoft's perspective, it ties in perfectly with their Gamer Pass. It is, I guess, Gamer Pass is now a kind of PlayStation Plus, but in the future, it's going to be a lot better. And it's certainly better value right now. So it will suit them down to the ground. But as to whether that's what's going to help them, here's a difficulty with the whole streaming approach. It's coming up with a fair business model. And I know PlayStation have struggled with this. Something that's fair, something that people will sign up for, that won't uh, also technically won't ruin the game. Because the one thing that you can guarantee about consoles in the past, here's why, where consoles are important. This is why the, this is their raison d'être. Okay, if you really want to know, is that you have the game on your system, you are guaranteed a stable experience. So the number one reason I think that people have consoles is because the game that the developer makes and plays on their console is exactly the same on every system released around the world. As soon as you introduce streaming, now you're bringing a lot of variables into the frame. You're bringing into the frame the fact that ping uh, times and download times and upload times around Europe are wildly inconsistent even today. Also in America, you know, there's not just not just European and America. Of course, Southeast Asia is pretty good, but, you know, you've got to do a specific type of game for that market. So there's a problem. You change the experience. And you change the experience particularly for multiplayer games, which are becoming more and more important. So I don't think it's a be-all and end-all of going down this route. As, until they solve the challenge of incentivizing third-party partners sufficiently, so that they feel like it makes sense for them to take part in this. Yeah. So that they still think that they are, they're able to get something out of marketing their games. Then they're always going to be a fraction of the traditional audience. They have to solve the bandwidth problems. They have to solve the access time problems. They have to have excellent and expensive infrastructure, which Microsoft do. Microsoft, I would dare say Microsoft structure is probably better than PlayStation's. Yeah. Mm. If Microsoft are in the cloud business with Azure after all. So they get that right. They get the partnerships right. They will at least make the experience less crappy. But you already have. Here's my problem with it. Now shifting to the personal. My problem with it is that over the last few decades, we have seen a shift, a big shift in the time from motion to photon, where earlier, and not that much earlier, actually, we're going back maybe 10, 15, 20 years what you put into the control was reflected on the screen extremely quickly. 
But now you have Bluetooth controllers that introduce a delay in in the Bluetooth stack. And then you have extremely complex graphics cards that can introduce a frame or even two frames of delay. And then you have TVs that are not always set up properly. They introduce a frame or two of delay so that eventually what you're seeing <laughs> is significantly delayed compared to what you're doing. And it, this is what gives games a kind of a mushier feel than they used to have. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can be reduced, but not massively. It's easier to do on PC where you can customize heavily, but then you're getting into a much more hardcore audience. So that, that's the industry going over to the personal. The personal side is important, not because I think it's important, but because there are a lot of players out there who represent the core market who that affects. And if they don't buy in, you don't have your 1,000 true fans. It's going to be very, very hard to make mass market. If you want to see a streaming service, a kind of streaming service, I'm playing with words here, that already works well, it's called iOS and it's called Google Play. I can go to my phone, I can download a game in seconds, and I can play it in seconds. Okay, that that already works. Why would you want to go much further than that in any sense? And also the experience is tailored to my phone much more so. Whereas what you're doing with a console... And you are, I know you're talking about a family of devices, but what you're talking about with a console is that the experience is not tailored the way it's tailored for a smartphone. Because what you want on a console is you want a much more direct experience. You do something with a control, something happens on the screen instantly. As soon as you have delay, well, suddenly skill is not so much a factor, you know? You have to account for lag. Nobody wants that. That's why people switch to PC. And I don't think Microsoft will want that either. They can, but if they can solve those issues, they have a chance. Maybe they're going for the mass market. I don't know. They got stung with this generation trying to go for the mass market, right? So I don't think they'll go for the mass market next time. They still need to go hardcore gamer. So if they're talking about a family of devices, maybe one of these devices is games you can stream and only stream. And maybe a higher end device is a game you stream, but is cached once it's streamed. Mm. And then you're always getting a hardcore, high-level, high-resolution experience that isn't scaled at all. The more you play it on this bigger-end system, the more higher-resolution material is cached. Maybe you start off with a 640 by 480 version of the game, and the more you play it, the more it's downloading the higher-resolution textures until eventually you're at 4K and HDR, and you haven't even noticed. You know, the same way that when you start watching Netflix, the first frame or two or three that you'll see look awful if you skip right into the middle, yeah? Because it, right. it, won't, it doesn't take too much time buffering. But then within half a second, it's crisp and it's beautiful. Easy to do with Netflix, much harder to do with a completely random access game, but it can be done. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's what you saw, that the lower-end devices in a Microsoft family were dumb Stream 2 devices that give you a variable experience, and the higher-end devices are for hardcore people that are caching over a longer term. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a very long answer. No, that was amazing. Uh, it's a remind me to ask you about Microsoft more often. <laughs> I did have one thought on this that, like, I I really do like that idea, and it seems like, you know, if you draw a string between everything, then it will get to that right. The things that they're talking about. But I'd wondered if, like, the family of devices could just be as simple as to refer to a, you know, 1080p machine and a 4K machine. Could be. Right, so I like kind, that, kind of what they yeah. have now, but I mean, because I, I wonder if even in two years, 4K will be considered 
for everyone. I don't know. Um, mm. But they could. there's also probably still something even at that point that they can charge a premium on. But yeah. I do think that the idea of like a almost fire TV stick and an Xbox One controller in a box for £150 mm-hmm. with streaming games for $10 a month or whatever, that is a thing that I'm sure Microsoft would love to be able to provide people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll see. But that was an interesting keynote for sure and probably my favorite one in terms of like uh, how much material Microsoft I think they had the most new about. stuff and the, the stuff that they showed, they showed more of it and yeah. it was way more focused on games and less on gimmicks because yeah. I don't know what Sony were doing, honestly. Just a bunch of music. Yeah, I know. Before we, we take a break and move on to Sony and Nintendo, I just wanted to quickly round down through the Bethesda announcements because I watched the conference. Uh, Wolfenstein 2 is coming to Switch. There's a new Doom game called Doom Eternal, which is launching, I think, sometime next year. Um, Fallout 76, a highly anticipated game. Just like Kotaku uh, anticip- um, wrote about few weeks ago it, it is indeed an online game uh it's got online multiplayer um it looks amazing i'm not really a fallout per- person but mm-hmm. i can see why people are you know losing their minds over this because it looks really nice and you can nuke <clears throat> other people's towns so that's that's incredible um i watched the presentation and i just loved um todd howard's presentation style the guy is insane and it was it was funny he made fun of skyrim being on every possible platform they actually the joke that they used the alexa skill um for skyrim for playing skyrim via voice is an actual skill that you can download not uh, in the uk I... though unfortunately oh, no, i tried oh, i wanted to come bad. and say i played skyrim on the echo but no it's too bad um this is an interesting announcement and uh, announcement and i wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see more of these at a, at a certain apple event in september uh the elder Scro- scrolls blades is a new game coming to mobile devices and everything else <laughs> it's gonna be on vr it's gonna be on console it's gonna be everywhere mm-hmm. um you can play the so it's it's a on the surface it looks like a mobile uh elder scrolls game um but actually, you can play in portrait mode. Um, so you got the first-person perspective. You can fight uh, enemies. You can, you know, you can level up your character. You can, you know, modify your character. Uh, there's multiple modes. So you can, you have an endless dungeon mode. You have the town mode for story and quests. Yeah, but is there a battle royale mode, though, Federico? That's what I want to know. There's no, there's no <laughs> battle royale. But what are they doing? Here's what they're doing. Cross-platform portrait mode on an iPhone versus someone who's playing in VR. That's incredible. Like, cross-iPhone to VR online? I mean, that's... I don't know. That looks fantastic to me. And again, this feels like a perfect tech demo for a new iPhone in September. Um, Finally... Bethesda teased two new games. One is a new franchise called Starfield. Uh, It's a game from Bethesda in space, uh, so that's exciting. And The Elder Scrolls VI is officially being worked on. So that's the official sequel to Skyrim, which will launch eventually in the future sometime (laughs) on every possible Uh, platform. I bet it's not even this generation. It's not even this. I I bet it's like 2020. Launch title, new consoles 2020. That's my my bet. That's the case because they have so much other stuff that they have more to show. 
right? right. Fallout and Starfield and, and Blades, like all of these other things and Doom that can come first before they need Elder Scrolls. So I guess they're just showing yeah. it off now for funsies. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and these are my highlights. Of course, just there's more like a new Wolfenstein called Young Blood, Rage Two, which I'm not really interested in. But overall, I th- I thought that was a solid uh, keynote by Bethesda. Bethesda's was probably the only one of the publishers worth watching, I right? So. Like Ubisoft <laughs> and EA, and you know they do their own. But then I'd... Square Enix was garbage. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it was so bad. It was like a bad keynote. So just just bad. The people who put it together, that you did a bad job. Bad, bad, uh, with bad. your E3. Yes. Nightmare. Yes. Um but I think that, that Bethesda actually had a lot of interesting stuff to show and they do it in a good way, right? Like they, they actually present it very well. So all right, let's talk about interestingly the the rest. Uh, which is like a strange way to kind of categorize uh, Sony and Nintendo, but I think that's kind of where they are this year. Uh, But before we do that, let me thank our sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. They'll give you the tools that you need to put the project online that you want to show to the world. It's an all-in-one platform that gives you everything you need. No matter what type of website you want to build, Squarespace has the tools for it. You could also very easily grab and and get a unique domain name set up for your site you can take advantage of award-winning templates that are so easy to customize you'll be able to give your website the exact look and feel that you're looking for without needing to spend countless hours trying to dig into code to work out how to do it they have 24 7 customer support if you need help with anything and they have so many tools you can create every type of website you want to make a blog you can do that an online store you can do that the the list is endless i've used squarespace for a bunch of stuff um, personally and professionally for years like the, the website that we created for our wedding to send to everyone was made on squarespace because they have templates and tools for all that it's so so simple to use squarespace plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you can sign up for a trial today with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash remaster then when you decide to sign up use the offer code remaster to get 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for this show once again that is squarespace.com slash remaster and the code remaster to get 10 percent off your first purchase we thank squarespace for their support squarespace make your next move make your next website so i kind of want to not preface because i already said it but kind of what i'm saying about the rest is that sony and nintendo didn't really have impressive announcements and i for me really i think part of this problem is at this stage in a console's life or in a kind of the lifespan of a console which weirdly sony and nintendo and microsoft are all kind of in a weird same place um, even though they all came out randomly different times microsoft has taken the tact of here is what we're going to do for the future and we mm-hmm. promise it's going to get better while sony and nintendo are like well we already did a ton of amazing stuff and we kind mm-hmm. of haven't got much to show you now because we did yeah. too much and and i think that's kind of the problem that is plaguing both uh sony and nintendo where a lot of the stuff that looks really good for, for both of these companies we've either seen in other places they've been showing it off for years before this or it's not even coming in 2018 right i think that that's sony's problem they have a lot of really interesting stuff but all the interesting stuff none of it was new and Mm -hmm. some of it still isn't this year yes 
that that sums it up nicely i think um yeah yeah so they opened with this um <laughs> i don't know it was like a separate venue which i i you know i can understand the musician playing with the you know with the little uh, with the guitar and it was as a way to lead into the last of us 2 trailer which i should say i i watched it live and i thought it was just incredible uh so if you haven't caught up on E3 News, uh, this is probably the trailer from the show. Uh, it features uh, Ellie from The Last of Us. And there's this beautiful, just just incredibly intimate and beautifully animated and beautifully rendered scene of a kiss. Um, and the, just you need to watch the video to understand why uh, Naughty Dog did, did such an incredible job animating these two characters. Uh, but also the contrast of this uh, kiss um, I, I, it's between Ellie and I don't I don't remember the other girl's name um, but the contrast between the, the kiss and the intimacy and the violence that ensues after mm. the, the, See, I, the kiss I, scene. I don't like that contrast the trailer is mm. incredible but the violence makes me uncomfortable a little bit because huh. it's very violent now, I mean, you can, very, you can yes. scroll back to the tape when we were talking about The Last of Us I, re- I didn't complete that game. I struggled with it. It was very difficult. Um, and I, am, I f- for some of this kind of stuff, I am, a, I am a little bit squeamish. And I think part of it is the animation that they are able to pull off now is so close to real mm. that the breakneck turns that they take is it, too much for me. I feel like with the right ramping up, I could get there. I really like mm. the way the trailer looks and I like the nice parts, but the gruesome parts are uh, very gruesome. And yes, it doesn't very it, much so. I find that stuff sometimes a little bit harder to take. But mm-hmm. I agree. Like, again, the idea of two women kissing in The Last of Us is actually not a new thing. It was in the DLC, right? Like, this, yeah. this isn't a new thing. This relationship is not a new thing, I guess. But it is the way that they did it like it is as you say the animation is almost flawless which is quite quite a feat it's quite an achievement yeah yeah um there's a this article on the verge that explains why people keep talking about this scene because uh, just the smallest details are so beautifully done on a i assume it must be a playstation 4 pro but i you know it'll probably look the same on a ps4 Mm -hmm. um so yeah i cannot wait to play this i love the last of us and uh, you know i'm 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 in for more last of us i plan to play and complete the last of us before the last of us 2 because well let me know what you think of the ending (laughs) i did like it but I I want to be able to finish it so because I know how good this next game is going to be and I'm interested to play it. So just the trailer is like, I'm like, ah! I mean, which is probably what mm. I'm supposed to feel like, you know? Like, the kiss ends and then she's stabbing a guy in the throat three times. Like, it's like, ah, I can't do it. Yes. Um, yes. But, she, you know. she shoots a woman in the face, in the literal face. Yes. So it's that's tough. your kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, Death Stranding uh, from Hideo Kojima oh, keeps not making why, any sense Why can't to this me? game just go away? <laughs> like, I hate everything about it. <laughs> Uh, in more news, you can uh, we saw uh, people eating uh, babies, people having okay. babies in their throats, yep. and um, we saw uh, uh, 
floating dead bodies that can also attack you for some reason. Yeah. And uh, and the baby plays some kind of role into this. Um, go watch the trailer. It's uh, it's something. Uh, <laughs> we saw some gameplay. Still not sure what actually what the game does. It's like. <laughs> You need to deliver <laughs> boxes with babies? Like, uh, it's a stalk it's not, simulator. Not clear. N- not clear. Not clear to me. Um, Shahid, any, any thoughts on Death Stranding? Any, 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 any comments on what Kojima is doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I couldn't care. You know, my, my, uh, this game, I feel like I can't escape it. I don't care about it. I don't want to see it. But every time Sony does anything, they show some random trailer for it. Like... All right, like mm. I, I just don't know. I just don't know what I'm supposed to I, feel. I at tell this you point. what. I tell you what. I bet the game turns out to be amazing. I bet all the mm. trailers are just chaff. Yeah, and then the game turns out to be absolutely amazing. Don't be surprised if that happens. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it will be amazing in the way that Kojima games are amazing, which is like right. There is a bunch of incredible gameplay in between two-hour cutscenes. In between a movie. No, yeah. I really hope he's learned his lesson. I, I, but, uh, I don't knows? think so, mate. Like he, he loves movies so much. He's cast actual movie I know. actors, Make films. like an actresses now. Like, he can't be stopped. <laughs> Someone needs to stop him. I just wish he'd go and make movies, because clearly that's what he loves the most. Yeah. I don't mm. know. He likes uh, hanging out with movie people. He does. He likes movie references. He likes movie actors. He likes... 25 maybe what if here's a crazy idea what if he just made movies <laughs> right <laughs> you know like uh, no seriously I, lo- I love kojima games i just find them to be um you know a, a little too much sometimes that's all like like hard to digest <laughs> when you just want i just want to have some fun man mm-hmm. not like think about you know the metaphysics of the universe and you know what dying really means it's like jesus just want to play with my nintendo <laughs> anyway maybe that's just me um we saw other games at the sony event so we saw uh assassin's creed we saw spider-man again Spider-Man. we saw spider-man uh, i'm so excited that's coming out it looks incredible uh so yeah i'm really excited about that uh beat saber which i played at mike's what did you think to- of beat saber Oh, it was it was it was really difficult, but yep. it's it was incredible because once you get into it and you get the hang of like how you need to hit the color blocks and follow the music, it's so fun. It's really fun. Like it feels like dancing, but in space. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like it's yeah, it's so it's so it captures you. Uh, it was amazing. Do you, so that's do you coming remember to the uh, the game Chameleon Run? It was an iOS game. It won an ADA uh, mm, years ago. Yeah, Switch. it's the same developer. Oh, so really? the developer that made Chameleon Run is who is responsible for Beat Saber. I don't remember Chameleon oh. Run. Is it still on the App Store? Yeah, and it's it's about to, it won it's... a bunch of awards. It was a 2016 game. Um, uh, hyperbolic magnetism is the name of the developer. I, th- I think it's just one. I think it's just one guy, or or, or very small. They're based in the Czech Republic, um, or, or at least used to be one guy. It's probably a small team now. But uh, oh, I remember this. Yeah, it's the Chameleon Run is coming to Switch soon. Actually, um, that was one of the the 
kind of the games that Nintendo threw out in their like here is a big bunch of games segment of the of the direct. But yeah, it's this, it's the same crew. I mean, it's just funny because such a different game. But like Beat Saber, Beat Saber is basically like a very small idea which became a very good game. And the small idea is like, oh, imagine a rhythm game with lightsabers. It's like such a simple thing, right? Like it's just one of those like tiny ideas that somebody has, which they're able to turn into an incredible game. And it really is incredible. It is not, I just can't imagine how it's going to work very well in PSVR. Like this game requires really fine motion that I just, I, I'm just not confident that the PSVR can carry off, but it is a yeah. game that more people should play because it's excellent. You know, the developer is colorblind too. Oh, it's quite, quite cool. a heavy focus on color and, the games yeah. that they make. Yeah, apparently it's extremely contrasting, so you can actually see. Oh, okay. Mm. That would make sense. He's already bright red and a really bright, mm. bright blue. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? Yeah, interesting. Um, some closing comments on PlayStation. I think two things that I noticed. Um, one is the was the lack of uh, PSVR focus. I remember Mike saying, uh, I'm expecting Sony to have some... PlayStation VR uh, announcements at E3, but really we just got a bunch of game announcements, no new hardware, no. Yeah, my big expectation changes. was new hardware, but that hasn't happened. So yeah. I don't expect there to be a ton of new games until there's new hardware. If. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and no mention of the next gen. Um, so uh, Sony seems to be, as we they said. They don't need to. Like, there's absolutely no reason for them to talk about next generation right now. But this brings me to the final segment about Nintendo. Sony is coming out of E3 as the as the loser because of the Fortnite controversy yes. that is going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, Fortnite has launched on the Nintendo Switch. Two million downloads in 24 hours. Insane numbers. I'm so happy. I want to play Fortnite. Here's the problem. I created a Fortnite account when I got it for free on PlayStation 4. Ha, well, more fool you, Federico. <laughs> Sony, once again, is blocking cross-platform play between the PlayStation 4 and other consoles, in this case, including the Switch. The Switch version of Fortnite can play with the Xbox One, can play with PC, can play with Mac, can play with iOS. But on PlayStation, Sony keeps insisting that, no, you can only play with other PlayStation consoles. Uh, now, Sony is not new to this. They've done this before. I think we've reached the point where Fortnite is essentially the biggest game on the planet right now, and people are upset, and they're not letting this go. I saw today that the Sony shares are down because people are so upset about this Fortnite uh, issue. And let me go on the record and say that this is a user-hostile move that makes no sense because they are winning the console generation war. They've sold 79 million units of PlayStation 4 consoles they don't need to look down upon other console makers and this is just wrong for the users you're just introducing politics into what should be just a fun experience it's not like you need to protect playstation from people who want to play against fortnite uh users on the switch um 
I think this is stupid. I think maybe this is the time that Sony changes their mind. They have issued a completely tone-deaf PR message today, uh, reminding people that they have sold 79 million consoles. I, I just... I, <laughs> it's like, I, oh, I congratulations? I like, what, yeah, what is that? It's like, I don't understand why they're doing this. Um, so, but, but yeah, well, there's no, Fortnite on the Switch. Un- you do understand, but it's stupid. I mean, I do understand, but it's yeah. stupid. Yes, yeah. It's like we understand yes. why they're doing it because they won. The the they won this. A, I don't understand why they're not seeing the problem. That's what like. Yeah, you're smart people. I mean, you are the biggest. You're the maker of the biggest console right now on earth. Why don't you see the problem of you doing this? It's just a bad message. It's like you're making people upset. Why do you want to make people upset? Because especially because there's this conscious like everybody loves Fortnite, everybody loves the Switch. I mean, what makes it and worse now every- is that they are cherry picking where they allow cross platform, right? Because you can you can play cross play with PC, Mac, iOS, and Android, right? Yeah, is that right? That's my yeah, understanding. That's right. Yeah, that's but right. Not. Yeah. Nintendo and, and Xbox. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, you're okay. Like, yeah, you, know, you the, don't need to do this. <laughs> you do understand that it means that everybody bought your console, right? You understand what that, like, if someone set up the account on a PlayStation, they already own a PlayStation. Like, it's yes. fine. It's, it, yeah. it's so, and these are the things where, like, next time people might go, eh. I'm going to get a PlayStation this time. And it is so stupid. It's so stupid. I still have yet to play Fortnite (laughs) on my Switch, but I have downloaded it. Yeah, me too. Me too, yeah. I'm waiting for Sony to issue a reversal on this decision. I think they will. I think it's going to happen, but we'll see. Shahid, do you think they will? I used to think very much in the customer vein on this. And I would be ordinarily nodding along or, you know, voicing my agreement with you. It's not that simple. And I'm not saying that they're right. I'm just saying that the angles that they look at this whole situation from were, or or the way they used to look at things while I was there, were way more complicated than I gave them credit for. And it wasn't just a case of, oh, no, we won't allow this, we won't allow that. It was, this is why we think it could be dangerous. This is why it could set a dangerous precedent. And here's the other thing. Bear in mind that PlayStation has traditionally, and in this generation, had the most legally complex landscape for its install base of any platform. Most other platforms are dominant in English-speaking countries or, in Nintendo's case, and to a lesser extent, Sony's case, Japan. But PlayStation has an extremely strong uh, presence in so many countries around the world, way, way more than the competition, that the legal implications of making a mistake when you're not in control of how uh, an online account is used can tie you up in red tape for months. Never mind hardware compliance, we're talking yeah, about software compliance. Why is it different for just the other two console platforms, though? Like, if they can enable cross-play for iOS, surely yeah. those considerations are there. Yeah, they are. And I, I think 
there, you know, there might be a technical get out for the other platforms. There, I'm not. Look, I'm not saying I disagree with you. Yeah. I'm saying that when there's they always measure more the to argument, it. there's always yeah. more to it. And the thing is, it's yeah. like we can sit but, here and say, "Oh, we think they should do this," but right. they do have a reason, and their reason yeah. is strategy. And like, yeah. frankly, I mean, I can't really. I can't argue with that. I, my belief is that they should do it. But if the strategy says that they shouldn't do it, then no one's going to go against that because that doesn't make any sense for for the company. But no, it's it's extremely hard. But they do make exceptions, you know. So mm-hmm. don't don't be surprised if there is a reversal. I remember trying to um, when when I signed Football Manager for Vita, which was a big deal for us. You know, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to do was to allow sharing of your game between the Vita and the Steam version. Because my idea was, like, you really want to play this game on Steam most of the time, Mm -hmm. but when you're on the go, you want to be able to take your game with you. My God, that was a nightmare to negotiate. It took forever, and it went back and forth between everyone in Europe and in Japan just to get that sorted out. And at first I thought, oh, no, you're just being difficult. And then... Once the arguments were explained to me, I realized just how complex it was. And yes, on the one hand, it does seem like a trivial thing. But on the other hand, I suddenly developed an appreciation for the complexities of the legal landscape in which PlayStation has to work and the different strands of strategy at play at the highest levels at PlayStation and Sony. But then there is the other element of biggest video game in the world right and and biggest video game in the world should move the gears a little bit quicker if they were if they had decided that this is something that they wanted to do but do you remember mm-hmm. it was the same for minecraft minecraft was the biggest game in the world and they didn't shift for that either that's true and and i don't really know like what's bigger you know i feel like that they're probably pretty similar minecraft and fortnite you know in, in yeah. the, 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 at least the cultural shift that they made but anyway i i ultimately i think that they are making the wrong decision just my my gut feeling on it um i hope that they do find a way because it just looks bad for them it, it's not a, it's not a yeah. good look no it's not it's not um Moving on to more Nintendo games, quickly we saw Fire Emblem, which is coming next year. Which and makes them breaking, a liar. Nintendo lied the to promise. me. They said, they said 2018 <laughs> games only. They promised. That was the promise. And also, and also the, the, the robot game that they showed, mm-hmm. Machina X, something, it's coming next year. So it's They two said games. 2018 games. Nintendo, no, a liar, liar, pants on fire. They lied. You made me uh, sad. There's a new Mario Party coming to the Switch. I'm really happy to see this coming in October. As some, you know, it's the usual Mario Party type of game, but it's got some clever Joy-Con mechanics. Uh, you can, if you are like a, a big group of people, you can actually pair two Switch together. Yeah, and uh, they showed some cool stuff where you could actually lay them down next to each other and create yeah. a continuous game board, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So that will, that should be fun. I think as a party game, that should be fun for the Switch. And Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which I already own on PlayStation, is also coming to the Switch. I think next year. So that's three games. Um, I have two comments. Uh, 
with Nintendo. Uh, we saw more, and I will start from Pokemon Let's Go. We saw more gameplay, uh, and just it was like tree we house, discussed, right? the majority of it, it was, was in the, the treehouse. Tree Forty yeah. forty-eight minutes of Pokemon Let's Go. Uh, just as we imagined, it's a simplified version of the original games. It looks incredible, but it also borrows a lot from Go. So you have this simplified um, system with, uh, for example, you don't fight Pokemon when you want to catch them. Uh, you just throw the Pokeball. Um, you have a simplified interface. You have a simplified uh, evolution system based on berries and candies, just like Pokemon Go. Um, but it looks pretty. It looks incredible. And um, I understand why Nintendo wants to have a more uh, approachable entry uh, for the RPG series before the full, more hardcore one next year. I The more I think about it, the more I think it's clever to capitalize on Pokemon Go and have this as a first um, uh, game on the Switch. So I pre-ordered it alongside the Pokeball Plus controller. <laughs> Which comes with Mew. Uh, uh, yes, you can, you get Mew in the Pokeball, so mm -hmm. that's incredible. Uh, and the announcement. Uh, so Nintendo did E3 for one reason, essentially, which was to tell people that Super Smash Brothers is coming this year in December. It's called Ultimate, and what it does is it contains every single character from every single previous Super Smash Brothers game all in one game. That's why it's ultimate. It's the ultimate version. It's got all the characters. Literally, I think the tagline from the video was everyone is here. Um, you get N64 characters. You get Super Smash Bros. Melee characters. You get Brawl. You get Wii U characters. Everybody's in the game, which was also kind of the criticism that people moved uh, toward Nintendo as the announcement, which was a long one, like 20, 25 minutes. A lot of people were saying they are presenting this game like a changelog instead of <laughs> like an actual announcement because they were, they were basically... So they talked about the characters, which was pretty cool, and then they started going really in-depth yeah. about someone, all the single... Who doesn't play Smash? <laughs> I did feel like I was losing my mind a little bit. And yes. Like, oh, and now well, this, now this animation is two point two seconds slightly quicker. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So it was a highly technical announcement, but the game looks incredible. This is the Super Smash Brothers of my dreams, where it, like I get everything. I remain. I'm waiting to see what the single-player experience will be like. I hope that they will not repeat the crazy board game thing that they did on the Wii U. So we'll see about that. But overall, my takeaway is that the highly technical explanation plays into Nintendo's fascination with eSports. Because to me, this feels like a move to uh, appease the Super Smash Bros. Melee, uh, melee crowd. Uh, you know, all these folks are still playing the GameCube game because they think it's the best one. And now, not only do you get, you know, all the melee characters and various uh, fixes to the to the fighting system that makes it faster, makes you know, um, 
you got, for example, uh, changes to how you can um, parry, changes to how you can uh, evade characters so that the one-on-one battles can be faster. Uh, it's got all these technical changes and you will be able to use a GameCube controller, which some people st- still think it's the best one and I don't disagree with those people. I think it's still the best layout for and the most comfortable game controller ever made. Uh, but this to me feels like Nintendo saying, oh, you want to play eSports with Super Smash Brothers? Just wait for this one and play it on the switch i don't think you're wrong i i i hope that's the case because i can't think of any other reason why you would show the game the way that they decided to show it which was to people that don't play smash just not interesting i don't particularly have a problem with the nintendo direct i think it was fine um it showed off a bunch of games that were coming later like most of the stuff we knew about you know some stuff we just got dates for um, but I was ex- it gave me basically what I was expecting, which was this one's going to be about Smash. Like I wasn't expecting to see Animal Crossing or the next Pokemon yeah. because I think that that's too soon for those. Yeah, it's uh, that's going to be next year, Mike. This year, uh, you will be able to fight me on Super Smash Brothers. I will be Pikachu and you will be Pichu because that's also coming back. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't... I'm not good at... Sm- I just don't understand how to... I, I'm not good at fighting games. And mm-hmm. I tried to play Smash Brothers. Didn't do very well. I, I Honestly, I don't even know if I will buy uh, Smash mm-hmm. Brothers Ultimate. It's just not my type of game. But mm. I'm really pleased that it exists. And honestly, I'm pleased that Nintendo are giving it this kind of treatment because this is what that game requires for the people that enjoy it. So I'm happy that they're going whole hog with it, you know? So for both PlayStation and Nintendo, my feeling was that this E3 was about customer retention. Mm-hmm. And for Microsoft, it was about customer acquisition, which is why they had such dramatically different press conferences both in tone and content.